Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Mr. Rob Wensing. Hi, Rob. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing terrific. So this is where I think for you this is an important question. So, uh, Mr. Wensing, what do you like to be known for? Uh, well, I'd like to be known for my Twitter account, which is uh, the handle Apple Spotlight. And there we go. Now everybody knows who you are. <laughs> 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 which, you know, because you, Apple Spotlight is a, is a pretty massive account, right? It's like nearly 90,000 followers or something. Uh, something like that. I think there's about 80 right now. 85,000 is what it's currently telling me as I look. So, Rob, like, who who is the man behind Apple Spotlight? Like, what is your background? Um, well, that's kind of a, it's a it's a kind of a more difficult question to answer than you than you might think as far as in terms of like my um, my job background. But um, I I'll answer it this way first, which is I'm probably no different than um, most of the people that follow along with my account. I'm I'm just a big fan of Apple. Um, have tremendous amount of interest not only in their products but also in the business model that they follow, and um, and so I find uh, keeping up on Apple news and and um, and related topics really interesting, and uh, I like to share those. And so I'm not, um, uh, you know, I'm not an Apple insider, and I'm not uh, even really from the tech industry. So why did you decide to start this account? Like, why didn't you just tweet these links from your own personal account? Yeah, so um, I believe it was in 2009 that I joined Twitter, and I first joined with my personal account. Um, and within, I think, weeks, I noticed that the vast majority of what I was tweeting was about Apple. And so I just woke up one day, literally one of these moments that you have while you're in the shower, and I thought, you know, I should really have a separate account because a lot of the people that know me uh, in my personal life, so to speak, probably were getting tired of hearing about Apple. So I started the separate account, Apple Spotlight, and that's how I was born. Why Apple Spotlight? Why, uh, why the name? Is it just something I that just, just popped into your head? At the time, it seemed clever. Um, yeah, something that popped in my head, and it was available, and it seemed clever. And you were anonymous for a while, right? Like, I mean, you you don't sort of shout about it, but now you know you say you know that you you run that account. But am I right in thinking that for a while that was like a, a secret, like you didn't really didn't really talk about it? Yeah, but uh, you know, it wasn't really intentionally a secret. It was just that I never really started the Apple Spotlight account to promote myself in any way, um, and I never really started it to. Um, to make money off the account, for example. So sure. there was really never any reason to like promote myself personally behind the account. Um, but it got kind of funny for a while. I remember, um, gosh, I think it maybe had ten to 20,000 followers, and there were a lot of people speculating that I was actually working for Apple and I was uh -huh. some sort of insider. Uh, and then um, I had a friend that knew a reporter at Forbes, that was looking for an, uh, somebody that would be a subject matter expert on Apple, and um, he introduced me to her, and that was the first time I think that uh, my name came out as a person behind Apple Spotlight. Oh, there you go. Look at you. And true to uh, uh, some media outfits, they 
they did two stories. One story was me talking about whatever the launch was at the time. I can't remember. Um, and the second uh, story was that um, I, think it, I think the title was something like Apple's Anonymous Tweeter Revealed. Oh, I just found it. And I believe that I was actually on uh, the homepage of Forbes, uh, and they put a picture of Steve Jobs next to that title. <laughs> it was Steve, right? You're Steve Jobs. That's what yeah, that is. exactly. Oh, look at that. Huh. So I've put that in the show notes. People can find those at uh, 5by5.tv slash cmdspace slash 63 if they want to read that, that little article about you. So predominantly um, at, at Apple Spotlight is links. I mean, you, you throw some commentary in um, time and time again, but you're typically just posting links, right? Yeah, probably, you know, it's probably the 80-20% rule, 80% of what? I post are just simply links to things that I find interesting. The other 20% is some sort of commentary or occasional tip. Okay, yeah. That, that, that seems to sort of be the, the standard fare. Um, where do you find these links? Like, primarily, where do you go? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of different places. So, obviously, following certain sites, um, to some extent, RSS, but I've pretty much replaced that with Twitter. Um, you know, friends send me links, um, followers send me links, but I would say how I keep up mostly is through, uh, Twitter. So do you follow like, um, site accounts like The Verge or, um, Mac Rumors and stuff, or do you follow individuals and you find stuff that way? Uh, I find both. Okay. I have a, a, a extremely complicated system of lists that I, that I've set up. Is that all through the Apple Spotlight account? Uh, actually, through my personal account, okay. but actually, I don't. I don't. It's not that complicated. I was joking. <laughs> um, I, you know, I just I follow the same stuff that most uh, people that are interested in tech and, and Apple follow. Probably, I'm probably just a little more obsessed with it. Do you feel like? Um, do you ever feel the need to post something? Like, if you haven't posted something for a couple of days or anything like that, do you, are you like, oh, I should I should find a link to post? Yeah, that's uh, you know that's an interesting. Um, that's a really interesting question. So I'll, I'll answer it a couple different ways. I do feel some sort of obligation. I've, it's grown into some sort of obligation where I feel like some people probably follow me to get um, the cur- curated kind of list of things that, that they should keep up on. Um, and so I feel this sense every morning when I wake up that I need to check what's going on and post some things. Um, on The second way I'll answer it is I don't really have a lot of pressure to post a lot because I'm not trying to drive a lot of page views. So that's exactly probably more free, you know, more freeing for me than than it is for a lot of folks that that write online. That was why I wondered, right? Because I know it's something that, that a lot of my friends that write that have blogs, they feel like that. And I wondered if it was the same for you like just, you know, through through tweeting. I mean, because I know that some people feel like they need to justify their sponsorships or the fact that they have them by posting and that sort of stuff, which makes sense. But because you don't have that, and we'll talk about that in a bit, actually, I just wondered if that was something that that you felt. Um, do you have any favorite websites, you know, like publications that that you find produce good stuff? Um, God, there's so many of them, and you know, and and sometimes probably I get a little cynical um, uh, about this because I think there's a lot of garbage that's written about. 
um, tech in general, I mean, I mean, just media in general, tech specifically and Apple specifically. Um, but there's a lot of terrific stuff out there. There's a number of sites that I like to follow. Um, I'm a little leery to name any because I'm afraid I'm going to leave out some good ones. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's, there's just so much good stuff written on a daily basis. And it's growing all the time, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, what's really cool is some people that have... Um, are doing it on their own. You know, you've got the kind of consortium of, of Ben's out there recently. Um, uh, that have been, been starting their own blogs. You have, of course, um, Stephen Hackett that's been writing for quite a while. And it's kind of cool to see how many individuals are running sites with such great content. Yeah, I, I personally, they're my favorite places to go these days for like opinion because it's a one person's opinion. I like that a lot more than the opinion of an entire website, right? That has a, a, a specific style that it writes in. It doesn't feel like it's as opinionated. And and I kind of I like to have those like fire hoses of, of news. Um, you know, sites like The Verge and Tech Hive and Max Stories to a point, but Federico does put a lot of his own opinion in there as well. That's kind of why I mm-hmm. read that site religiously. Um, but I like, you know, to the places you say, like Stephen's site, Sean's site, for example, places where you're going to get some an individual's opinion. I, I quite like that. Yeah, it's terrific, and you're seeing a lot of people jump in that have specific knowledge in in particular areas. Yeah, like specialist um, fields and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Federico, for again, like with all of the um, automation stuff, like that's his thing. Mm-hmm. And that's really yeah, absolutely. good. So over the like the three years or so that you've been running the account, have you seen any sort of sweeping changes in like the style or the quality of the types of things that are reported around Apple News? And that's quite a broad question. Yeah, you know, I think I posted this the other day, and I think I've done it a number of times in the past, which is, you know, Apple's been doomed since uh, 1976. So that's something so, that's never changed. Yeah, I know. So I think, you know... Um, um, it's easy to get wrapped up in uh, the fact w- when newer products or services are being released by Apple that there's a lot of garbage written about uh, Apple and a lot of people claiming that they're finally doomed and you know not the same since Steve Jobs left and et cetera. But people forget that this stuff's been written about Apple since they began. But I guess the main one of the main differences over that time is the amount of mainstream reporting, right, that's been going on over the last three years, especially since the iPhone and the iPad, right? Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, things that have probably changed. I, I guess more Apple's more mainstream, certainly now, than, than they probably ever have been. Um, so they get more mainstream press. Um, I do think, too, that because of that, um, they're probably easy target to, to drive page views. So maybe they do attract a little bit more attention. They think that, you know, the it's it's... Real easy to write a headline that has the name Apple in it in some sort of shock statement and drive some page views. Yeah, I was um, I was at the XOXO conference over the weekend and um, was having breakfast with some friends. Um, the Studio Neat guys were there. Um, and one of my buddies, Chase. We were having breakfast and we were talking about just Apple and somebody mentioned, I can't remember who it was, think different is just not a thing anymore. Like, it's not differently thinking. To follow to like to buy Apple products, yeah, and you know that's that's a great comment. Um, I, part of me misses those days 
Um, and I don't know, how soon did you come to the Mac? Uh, 2005. 2005. So to some extent, you probably experienced this too. Um, but I remember those days where you'd sit in an airport and you'd open up your laptop and have the Apple logo on the back. And, you know, you see that one other person across the way with a Mac laptop too and you kind of make eye contact and you kind of give each other a thumbs up in your head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it was like even at that time in 2005, I was trying to convince my friends to get, app, to get Apple computers as their next computers. So when somebody needed a new computer, I would have to try and convince them that a, a MacBook would be a good solution for them. Um, and I don't even think that's something you need to do these days. I think it's some. I think it's the other way around these days. You know, people want to buy a Mac, but maybe they just have to justify it to themselves. Maybe why to spend a little bit of extra money or something over a three hundred dollar window machine, Windows machine, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it in some ways that was kind of fun being the, part of the underdog team, right? Yeah, I really um, liked that. I I liked being the evangelist in my school or friend group or something which they just you just don't need to do that anymore yeah absolutely though uh i'm sure uh, tim tim cook and company wouldn't agree with me they're probably pretty happy in their yeah. current position they like that we keep doing it they wish that we would continue to keep doing it <laughs> so i want to take a quick break um just to talk about our sponsor but i've got loads of loads of other stuff that i want to talk to you about so just want to take a quick moment to thank our fine sponsor at Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio for a free trial and 20% off during the month of September. So you've not got long to go. To get that 20% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO9. That's going to get you 20% off. So Squarespace really make it fast and easy to create your own websites online. They can help you set up some like a site for your business. Maybe you want to sell some stuff online. They've got their commerce platform, so you can do that. Maybe you're a designer or a photographer and you want to show off your online portfolio. It doesn't matter what sort of site you want to create. They give you all of the tools that you need to get that done really, really easily. And that's what what I love about Squarespace is I don't need to worry about any of the messy stuff. I don't have to worry about who I'm hosting with. I don't have to worry about paying a designer or finding apps in the app store that might or might not work. It's all taken care of. They're and they're doing always doing great stuff to make the service even better. It's not like you pay once, you get your license, you get your app and that's it and then that's where you're ever going to get no support, no further updates. It's all, all of Squarespace's tools are on the web, and you wouldn't believe it from some of the fantastic stuff they've made. It's all drag and drop to build the pages. But they're adding new features, new design templates, and they're always doing stuff to make their support even greater. They have 20 highly customizable, beautiful templates that you can start with, and loads of style options so you can tweak and craft your website to make it look exactly the way that you want. Their designs have won numerous awards from institutions like the Webbies and Forbes and FWA. And it's so easy to use, but they have an amazing support team at work 24 hours a day, seven days a week that can help you with absolutely any problems that you might have. They also have like online tutorials and knowledge base articles and stuff like that to help walk you through if you need any help with creating stuff. Every design looks fantastic on all devices too. They have a great mobile experience that matches your website's design on a matter of different devices. It doesn't matter how many you tablets and phones there will be Squarespace is going to look fantastic on all of them 
You can do, even develop your own templates on top of Squarespace's solid infrastructure. Don't, you don't have to worry about hosting, caching, installing software, configuring your database, having plugins, updates, and all that sort of stuff. You can, If you are a designer, you can put your own design, your own stamp on top of Squarespace's excellent platform. And if you want to go all out with code changes, you can use their developer platform at nearly every level of customization with Squarespace and make everything your own. So I want you to go and try this out for yourself. It starts at just $8 a month and they include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You can start a free trial with no credit card and start building your site today. And when you decide to sign up, make sure you use the offer code TALLYHO9, that's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O-9. That's going to get you 20% off sorry, during the month of September. And you also show your support for 5x5 and Command Space. So thanks so much to Squarespace, everything that you need to create an exceptional website. I really love Squarespace. I think that you will too. So, how do you feel about reporting rumors and speculation? Is this something that you you are comfortable to do? I occasionally do. I've kind of moved away from it for the most part. I think it's um, I think it's uh, number one. I think it's overdone. Um, I mean, how many pictures of a rear case of a Rumored iPhone, do I, you know, do you really want to see? Um, and, and number two, I, it kind of ruins the fun of it, doesn't it? Um, oh, definitely, it does, yeah. I miss the times when I would uh, get the news about the new products from Apple and not beforehand because I saw it in headlines. Um, so I, I steer away from it for the most part. If I think something's particularly interesting um, or significant, I might chime in. Yeah, I mean, do you have, um, when you do that, whenever you, you find maybe a rumor or something that you do want to report, do you have specific sites that you trust more than others for this? Well, I think that, um, yeah, some of them, I mean, some sites have a better better record, right? So, I mean, if you look at Mac rumors, for example, I think they're more of kind of a, a collection of, of rumors, um, and so I think you get um, a lot that could be true and a lot are, that, that uh, maybe aren't so true, but they're pretty good about explaining in the article what their feeling is about whether there's some truth behind it or if it's highly sp- speculative. Um, Nine to Five obviously has done a terrific job more recently in vetting out yeah. what's true from fake. Um, but... Um, Anything, anything that by the time something hits, like for example, the Wall Street Journal, um, it's usually pretty solid by then. Although sometimes I think anymore they're kind of riding on the coattails of of people that come before them. Do you ever receive any tips yourself? Do people ever con- try to contact you with information? Like considering the <laughs> the, the size of audience that you have, surprisingly, not many. Um, it's pretty rare. I will say that. Um, uh, I did get some information about the new Mac Pro um, before it was announced, and I chose specifically to to hold back. I I posted one little tidbit the night before the event that I don't think many pe- people picked up on, um, but I knew a lot more about, it and I chose not to put it out there. Very interesting, because that was that was the surprise. Like I don't think. That nobody even knew anything about that at all. That Mac Pro was totally under wraps. No parts, nothing, you know? Yeah, and, and the specs that came out were 
um, were a little bit uh, shocking too. It was kind of hard to imagine if they were really, it was really true. So like, you know, six Thunderbolt ports, I think is what I throwing out there the night before. That's quite a lot. I thought about that for a second. I was like, the Thunderbolt, but um, ended up to be true. So, how much time do you spend finding things to post? Is it just, just for your daily life, you notice something and tweet it, or do you ever sit down and look through stuff and like on a more of a schedule basis or something? Um, well, it depends on what my day looks like. Um, yesterday was a really busy day for me, so I was checking in in the morning and later in the in the in the evening, pretty much. Um, but uh, when I have more time, then I'll sink a lot more time into it. Or if I happen to be on mass transit out here, um, sitting down, I'll have you know time to look at it. So it varies a lot from day to day. I'll say that I probably put in um, an alarmingly, shockingly um, too much time in Twitter. <laughs> I think you are the general populace at this point with that. <laughs> well, that's, that's probably true. So we kind of touched on this earlier, but why why Twitter? Why did you not think to yourself, oh, I'll, I'll set up a little blog? Or why have you not done this since, unless you have another secret um, account or something that we don't know about? So, uh, you know, like a lot of things that happened, I think it was just accidental. Um, like I said, I had started my own Twitter account because I was interested in finding out what Twitter was about. And, you know, quickly saw the value of it um, and happened to like Apple, so started tweeting about it. And it wasn't really planned out. Um, I would say that one thing, one reason I've kind of stuck with it is because I've enjoyed the Twitter community so much um, and that it's, it's simple and it's easy. Yeah. Um, you know, the thought of starting uh, uh, something bigger than that, um, I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to take more of my time. And you've never thought of going something like like to that now? I mean, because, you know, a readership like yours, I mean, there's you know, you could make money in advertising. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've, I've thought about it. I've thought about it probably every week since uh, <laughs> since I started started the account. So, And, and I will say I'm, I'm thinking more seriously about it now. We'll see what happens. But, uh, oh, yeah, I'm definitely considering it. That's, that's cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear that, actually. I didn't think you were going to answer that. I thought you were going to be like, no, I don't want to be a blogger. But now I'm, I'm very intrigued, sir. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm, I'm giving some thought. Good, we could do it. I think you know, we could. As I think we can always do with more voices like yours. I think in, in the Apple world, I appreciate that. How did Apple Spotlight get to nearly ninety thousand followers? What happened? That's. A, I don't think I have the answer for that. Um, and. You know, as I'm asked that quite often. I was asked that yesterday. The, one thing I would say is it's probably hard to underestimate the fact that I joined during a time where Twitter was taking off, mm-hmm. and I joined during a time where Apple was gaining so much popularity. And so, those two factors alone, I can't take credit for. That just <laughs> those. It's timing, right? Yeah. Um, beyond that, um, I speculate that. Perhaps some of my true interests and passion around the subject comes through, and perhaps that that attracts some people. Um, and the fact that you know I'm not trying to sell anything. Yeah, it's just if you know maybe 
people searching for Apple when they sign up and they see your account and they take a look through and they're like, yeah, this looks useful. You know? Yeah, I, I, I think, and I think for a while, um, I was being suggested as a, an account to follow. Oh, right. um, I mean, I'm sure I am occasionally, like, like I'm sure all of us are, right? Um, Twitter finds people that are like you, but there was a kind of a, uh, uh, a thing going on. Remember back in the day when you signed up for Twitter and then it would say, like, maybe you should follow these people and say right away. Maybe it still does that. Yeah, it's, it's a bit different now. Twitter has a really weird um, onboarding thing where it won't let you, if you sign up for a new account now, it tries to make you do all these things. But yeah, it does still have like category lists and stuff and suggested user lists. Yeah, and I don't think I was ever like a heavily promoted one by Twitter, but I think I got stuck in their whatever system they have that kind of matches you to your interests. And, right. Oh, and, yeah, that, like, and that might help some too. I guess if you're interested in Apple, you know, Apple yeah. Spotlight, especially now. So I, I mean, do you have you ever tracked the growth? Like, was it like a trickle trickle explosion and it's grown from there like how did what was that like or has it been pretty solid that's interesting you know i've never looked at the numbers i've never really um used anything sophisticated to analyze my following or my growth or i've never scheduled used software to schedule tweets so i guess i'm pretty unsophisticated in that manner with 90,000 people i'm going to assume that you're followed by a lot of um the masses as well you know, not just the tech people. So, do you get like a lot of tech support questions and stuff? Yeah, some I do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what sort it, of stuff it, do you get? It's hard enough to to troubleshoot with my parents over the phone. Let it loan somebody on Twitter that I don't know in 140 characters. <laughs> um. Oh gosh, and and occasionally I like to help out if it's simple and I kind of know the answer. I'll help out, but uh, um. It runs the gamut. It's it's uh, from oh okay. I I can't think of any. It just runs the gamut. I mean, you, you could spend all day doing that, right? Yeah, but I, I, I probably don't get as many of those questions that you as you might think. Right. I, I think most people are sophisticated enough to know that I'm not going to be doing uh, tech help over Twitter. So some of the links that you post. Um, do break out from just Apple at times, and you post about things from related tech companies. Um, do you have like a method to this? Like, do you post it if it affects Apple in some way, or is it just if you personally find it as an interesting story? Um, yeah, mostly if I find something interesting is when I post it. That's kind of my general rule of thumb. It's I almost think of it as a, like a, a kind of a list of links that I'm collecting for myself, if that makes sense. So you just judge it that if you find it interesting, you believe that you know, other people will too, and the people that follow you might share those mm-hmm. interests. I mean, that's that's a good way to think. You know? Yeah, that's primarily how I think. And because my primary interest is in, in Apple, usually it's something related. So, I mean, obviously we, we've spoken around the fact that you know we both have a love for, for Apple and, and the products and the company, but... There are many, many tech companies. There are many old, many new, many that have been around for as long as them, uh, many that have had, you know, been around for many, many years as well. Why do you, why, why Apple for you? Why not Google? Why not Microsoft? Why is it Apple? 
I think like a lot of others, when I started to use Apple products, it kind of captured my heart and mind, if that makes sense. And I think it's not just the products, it's kind of everything that surrounds the products. So, um, gosh, before I was using in a Mac, I was trying to use some sort of crappy PC in college. And um, I had a friend that said, well, and I was struggling with it, and I had a friend that said, well, why don't you use the Macs in the computer lab? And it was just kind of instant, instantly kind of this moment of like, of course, this is how a computer should work. Um, and it, I just had a connection with the product at that point. And then you start to follow the company, and I think a lot of the things that they stand for um, shine through. Um, you know, every company has a corporate culture, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a certain corporate culture that Apple has that, that they're, I think they're very good at expressing to the external world. Um, as, secretive, as secretive as they are, I think Apple's tremendously good at expressing what their values are and what they stand for as a company. Um, and then they back it up in the products um, that they produce and the services that they produce. And it just attracts me, the whole idea of like challenging the status quo, the idea of... Um, which, you know, for obviously one of the greatest examples is the iPhone and how that challenged the, the whole industry, um, all the way from how the product operates to the fact that it doesn't have a carrier's logo on it and that you can actually buy things directly from Apple and not through the carrier um, in the App Store. So uh, everything from challenging the status quo to uh, the idea of keeping things simple and putting the user first and um, are things that resonate with me. I mean, that's... That's a pretty good summary, I think, of, of why a lot of us feel the way that we do about Apple. Do you think that we there could ever be another company like Apple? I mean, a lot of because a lot of people now try and follow in their footsteps, but no company has seemed to come forward which could be that company that we all flock to one day and, and follow religiously like we do. Do you think there could be another company like them? Yeah, I think so, and I think there's probably... A, many existing examples out there that maybe just aren't as popular. Um, you know, people that are fans of, of particular companies because they identify with them for some reason and that are doing a terrific job of identifying with their customers. And I think there's a ton of examples out there. There's probably more than we know, right? Um, and sometimes they're probably just smaller companies. I, I think if we look in the sphere like we're looking in on the show, we're probably talking about large tech companies. And I think there's not anyone I can think of for me personally that reson- resonates like Apple does with me. Um, but sure, there's, you know, there's, for example, REI is a great company, huge following. Um, people love the company. And they do a lot of terrific things. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more, more examples like that. Over the time that you've been uh, following Apple, you know, both just a interested uh, individual but also with the stuff that you do um, online what do you think have been like some really key changes that the company's been through in recent history would you say like the iPhone and the iPad that sort of stuff um, yeah I mean I think there's the the obvious um, there's kind of the obvious um, products and services that have made a big impact on the world, like the Mac, uh, 
like the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad, and certain services um, like uh, iTunes and App Store that made a tremendous impact. Um, but if your question is more about changes to the company, I mean, I think those often follow changes in leadership. So, yeah. you know, Steve Jobs leaving, Steve Jobs coming back, Steve Jobs passing are, are you know, probably really impactful moments for the company. Even like going down to since then, you know, the the executive changes and stuff have obviously bred a, a new Apple in 2013. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, the company's definitely been very different to how we've seen them in recent memory. You know, we had our first product release of the year um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and we're in Q3. It's a interesting, an interesting move. I think it's it's different to to how they've been in previous years. Yeah, and I don't know if that's really so much planned out as, you know, products are ready when products are ready, right? I mean, they're planned, of course, around, they'd like to have an introduction, I, I believe, of, of iPhone um, and, and iPads running up to the holiday season, shopping season, right? Um, but, you know, I don't, Apple doesn't strike me as the kind of company that's going to prematurely release something because sure. of some artificial deadline, Um they're going to release products when they're right. So whatever they're working on around TV, if they are working on something around TV, is probably going to be released. A lot of that's going to be when they feel it's ready. What did you think of the of the recent event? I mean, I know we mentioned earlier about not being surprised, not having the surprises anymore, and I think this was a, an example of that, right? We knew what the two phones were going to look like, and... There were a couple of like internal surprises, you know, some of like the sensor technology and the processor and stuff. But what was your overall sort of feeling coming away from the event a couple of weeks ago? Um, that I wanted an iPhone 5S. <laughs> what is it about the 5S for you? <laughs> I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm always wanting the latest thing comes sure. out of Apple, but um, I'm super excited about the the. Touch ID and the fingerprint sensor. I, I not only for what it does today, but more importantly, I think for for what's probably coming down the pike. Um, I think there's a ton of opportunities that that brings. Have you got a five S yet? Actually, it's supposed to deliver today, and, oh. and so if you hear uh, a knock at the door, I may have to put this whole podcast on hold. I think that, that would be perfectly uh, <laughs> acceptable. I actually picked mine up today. Oh, did you? Terrific. I did indeed. I'm very excited about it. Have you set it up yet? Yep. Oh, of course I have. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I am, I am enjoying it. The It's interesting. Like the, the Obviously, the Touch ID sensor is really, really nice, but it has changed the home button, and I'm not sure how I like that. As far as the feel of it? The feel of it. The click. The oh, click is different. Yeah. Um, it maybe feels a little bit more mechanical than previously. Mm-hmm. So I've not made my mind up about how I feel about that yet. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think it's just because it's different, right? But Well, you've probably clicked the thing like a million times, right? Yeah. Or multiple millions of times. Exactly. So to have, I mean, because the home button has always been very similar. I mean, there is, but there, you know, maybe there have been like minor changes to it, like, you know, making it a bit firmer and stuff. But this definitely does feel different. when you When you click it slowly, like and sort of methodically, it's it's kind of the same, but just like a quick tap, it does feel definitely different because there is a, there is new stuff going on inside there. But the I'm kind of a bit blown away by the fingerprint 
something. It's I know everybody's been saying this, but it's it's fast. It's faster cool. than I expected it would be, really, mm-hmm. and reliable too. But anyway, it, and what and, and this brought been brought up by a lot of people, a lot smarter than me. But um, what I find intriguing is a future in which maybe that's matched in some way with the uh, iCloud keychain, um, and then maybe matched up with doing some sort sort of uh, dual authentication as well. Yeah, that would be awesome. Like, if I can use this to, like, if they put NFC or something in the iPhone and I can use my fingerprint to unlock things in the real world, that's what I would love. Mm-hmm. You know, or just use it for, like, uh, financial transactions to use my fingerprint for those. Um, you know, using public transport, all of that sort of stuff. And if, if an Apple were to embrace NFC or if people were to, to embrace this like iBeacon technology, if that could be used for those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, absolutely. So that actually kind of leads into what I was going to ask you next. It's like, what do you think is in Apple's near future? Like, do you, can you, you know, looking at the trends that you've seen in the past, and I'm sure you, you think about this stuff as much as, it, as we all do, what do you think is coming down the pike for Apple in the next, say, 12 months? Oh, gosh. That's... That's a tough question. Like, um, I mean, we've got that, I, this like new product category, right? Do you think that there's still something to come this year for that? Uh, my gut says that might be next year. I I could be wrong, but and maybe I'm not sure. Maybe even Tim said it was it was going to be next year. I can't can't recall recall. Right. Um, I think that Apple likes to at the heart of Apple, they like to solve problems for customers, um, and they like to solve pain points. Um, like I think that the, the touch ID is all about that, and that's why I, and and that's why I think somehow eventually that might be mirrored up with passcodes in general. Um, I mean, just looking at what Apple has publicly stated, um, Tim Cook said that he's they're really interested in TV and they keep pulling the strings, and I think that eventually we're going to see some fruits of that. Um, I suspect that they're being held back by uh, an industry that's trying to protect the status quo. Uh, and then I think um, something about wearables is probably something around wearables is probably going to present itself at some point. I'm a little bit skeptical myself. For example, with the with the ju- just in general like uh, watch concept, I haven't worn a watch forever. I'm not really thrilled to wear a watch again. Um, I think if it's more of a accessory that somehow does some interesting data um, collection for your device that then does some interesting things with that like around fitness that might be more interesting um, but uh, but uh, those are kind of the two I mean that's what everybody knows though right yeah. um, or everybody's speculating I should say something around TV and something about around wearables so do you know what I think that about brings us to the end so I, I want to thank you, sir, for joining me today. It's been it's been a pleasure to find out a little bit about the man behind the ninety thousand people to followed account. Um, so thank you for joining me. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. It's been awesome. I really appreciate it, Mike. So where can people go to 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 keep in touch with you? Yeah, just look me up on on Twitter, of course, at Apple Spotlight. Uh, it's probably the easiest way. I also have a personal account uh, that's. Simply my name, Rob Wensing, uh, on Twitter as well. Sounds good. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure everybody's already following you somewhere anyway. 
you know, <laughs> law, law of averages <laughs> and all that. There you go. I doubt it. And Anyways, it it's it's been an honor to be on the show. I follow your uh, I followed your stuff for a long time and and your other podcasts, and it's terrific to get a chance to speak with you. I know we met briefly before when you were in San Francisco for. Uh, one of the Apple events, but uh, which it's is nice where to more time. I had to convince you to come on the show. You said that there wouldn't be enough, and we've just spoke for forty minutes. So I, I said I'd prove you wrong. And I did. <laughs> I'm still not convinced it's terribly interesting, but I um, I think I, that people are going to be get, are going to be tweeting at you right now when they hear this to say that this has been an interesting show. So I implore you, listeners, to do that to tweet both to Rob. Also, let me know as well, so I can rub it in his face. Um, I'm I Mike I M Y K E. Uh, and uh, it has been a very interesting episode for me so I'm sure that many people will feel the same so thank you again Rob thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Command Space I will be back next week for another episode of the show of course Um, if you want to find the links to anything we discussed today go to 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 63 until next time bye bye